somewhere else, right? Uh, uh, Rima, this can't be happening in our own backyard. Human trafficking and child marriage and stuff here. Right. You know, when I ask people before I speak um, at any events, and I say, where do you think child marriage is happening? They usually say it's India and the Middle East. And I say, what do you think about the U.S.? Do you think it's legal here? And the answer is no. And I say, of course it's legal. It's legal in 40 states. When I started back in 2016, it was legal in 48 states. So it's still legal in 40 states, and in five states, including California, you have zero minimum age. And usually when I ask people, well, what do you think about California? They say, no, we are a very progressive state. John, there's no way we have child marriage But we do. And there's zero minimum age. All that you need is parental consent and judicial approval. So can you share with our listeners, what is considered child marriage? Is that somebody that... 17 and a half, not quite 18, and somebody's trying to get them married. Like, what is child marriage? Child marriage is basically any marriage under the age of 18, if one or both are under the age of 18. So just to give you an idea about the numbers here, both globally and in the U.S., because it's going to blow your mind. So in the world today, we have 850 million women and girls that were married before the age of 18, 150 million that have women and girls that have been married before the age of 18 up to today. And then we have 12 million under 18 that get married globally. So you have the age 150 that have historically married before the age of 18 up to today, and then you have 12 million that marry on an annual basis under the age of 18. Yes. And what ages are they getting married at? Because I, I grew up listening to the stories of Elvis in the South and Jerry Lee Lewis, who famously married his 13-year-old cousin and, and caused a controversy. Is it is it that young, a 13 four? Or are these just girls that are 16, 17 or something? I don't know why that sounds less worse, but the younger it is, the, the more horrified I get. It, are they marrying girls off at 12, 13, 14? Let me tell you Sherry Johnson's story. Okay. She please. was married off at 11. Oh. So Sherry Johnson. 
For certain groups, we picture the South. I'm sorry to say. No, the, the, no, the, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. In every state, every religion, every culture. Wow. Let me tell you the story of one of the childbirth survivors we work with, Don Tyree. Um, her parents split. Her mother, re- uh, her father remarried. Um, they've already paid for a year worth of tuition at a private school.
just had a betrothal for my dad, I wouldn't be here on campus. And so they filed a restraining order against him, and he went to jail. But the only story that I heard where that perpetrator was accountable. So let's get back to the numbers in the U.S. We had the most recent research indicated that there has there's 300,000 minors that were married in the U.S. between 2018, mostly young girls married to adult men. And so 60,000 of those, it would have been a sex crime, statutory rape, if it wasn't because of the age differential. And so getting married in those cases is a get-out-of-jail-free card. How can we, as a society, when we call ourselves the world leader, basically allow something like this to happen? I didn't know we were. <laughs> I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know this was happening anywhere but in third world countries. And that's what's so shocking. Rima's been in on some of our shows before. I'm always flabbergasted at the statistics. Tell the story of how you got into this. So what drew you into this dark world here? Why, why are you spending your life trying to end this, bring it to light and end this, this horrible practice, as well as the trafficking that often goes with this stuff, too. It's not just child marriage. Right. Um, why you? Why not? <laughs> I'll give you a hundred good reasons. Because it's hopeless, because it's, um, it's nobody understands it. Uh, you know, um, that means I have to go into storytelling. Yeah. So I, I was in corporate life. I worked for AIG for 20 years. And at the same time, I had my... Um, Side, the political side, so it was running tandem. So I was uh, vice chair of a political party here for uh, 10 years, uh, president of the National Women Political Caucus, which is nonpartisan. It's about identifying women getting them elected because we have a dismal percent of women here in office, uh, both state and federal. And, and also, I was um, president of the Newport Beach Run Democratic Club, and they were going to partisan politics, but, but not really. But you know, you hear, you hear what's happening in the news. Uh, you hear about the migrations in Africa, for example, because of climate change. And uh, when there's a conflict, basically, mass rapes happen, and women's bodies and girls' bodies are used as a political weapon in, in those conflicts. And then Migration when, when the civil war happened in Syria, and we've seen all those people um, risking their lives and dying by, you know, crossing the Mediterranean to go for safety. And during that trip, you know, they either become victims of human trafficking, both sex trafficking or labor trafficking, or you have child marriage. Let's protect the kids. And so. I was always complaining about this until a friend said, Rima, stop complaining and do something about it. So I did. Does that answer your question? And how long ago was this? I'm sorry to jump in here, Tom, but I, I know some of this story. How long ago was this? Uh, 2017. So 2017, we got the IRS number, and our um, inaugural event was January 8, 2019. And we had our first double meeting here at UCI. At UCI Law School, and it was the first town hall meeting uh, to end child marriage and human trafficking here in California, and that's when we made history the first time in the state, in this great state, when we launched the California Coalition to End Child Marriage. 
which is interesting you mentioned as we were going to start the show, 38% are Hispanic. That's as far as human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, I attended the first conference that was held by the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force um, a couple of years, maybe three years ago, and Senator Josh Newman and the uh, police chief was there, and of course, uh, the leaders of Waymakers, and where the Orange County Task Force is housed, and they basically shared statistics with us. So, 2001 and 2002, we had 420 victims slash survivors of human trafficking, both sex and labor. Here in Orange County. Here in Orange County, 89% are female. And 38% are, um, of those females, I'm sorry, 36% are minors, which is under the age of 18. And so, and, and, 30, um, and 38% are Hispanic, 26 are black, 21 are white, and then Asians are eight. And so those um, statistics should tell you something, that we need to raise awareness. Uh, we need to basically uh, provide economic opportunities. We need to look at where there's inequity and inequality, where there's no uh, economic opportunities for uh, certain segments of our society, and we need to fund such programs instead of funding wars or other things. But so we need to fund these economic opportunities because the root cause of this problem, because who, uh, I mean, the research was done with victims of sex trafficking, and they were asked what they have done into another work in order to, and they said, who in their mind would, I've never, when I said I'm going to be a prostitute or I'm going to sell myself. So human trafficking or prostitution, it's not the oldest profession, it's the oldest oppression in the world. Because we have inequity and we have inequality. And remember, you know, that the glass ceiling and, and how much women uh, are getting paid before the dollar as far as white men, and how much women of color are getting paid. I've heard figures 54% to the dollar that a white man makes for women of color. And so we need to, to provide the economic opportunities and education, because if we have economic opportunities and education and raising awareness that these are the red flags of human trafficking, both labor and sex trafficking, then we will decrease the, the amount of, of victims. The most important thing, because it's economics, it's supply and demand. So we have to attack it from a couple of different ways. One of them is we need to, to hold the buyer, because that's the demand side. We need to hold the buyer accountable. Did you know that it's a misdemeanor to be caught? It's a misdemeanor. So it needs to become a felony for the buyer. And then... Thankfully, we just had Senate Bill 14 passed, which was introduced by Senator Shannon Grove from Central California, which made trafficking in children and minors a serious felony, uh, was under the police charge law, which means that the traffickers will serve 85% of their time. Because law enforcement will tell you when we have the town hall meeting here at UCI that 
self-esteem issues are either lonely or they feel they're not loved or they're foster kids, they're throwaway kids, they're runaway kids. Uh, those kids, they go after them. I mean, they will also tell you that they will stay in, in cars. I saw research done. They will stay in cars outside of a school and they'll watch for the girl who's walking alone because they know that there's a low self-esteem issue that she's not part of a crowd. And they approach them and they get to know them. And they provide them with gifts and they provide them with luxury items. And then they'll say, you know, if you, if you love me, you will do this for me. I'm on a call every Friday from 11.30 to 12 with staffers from the Hill. And sometimes we have speakers. And one of the speakers was a mother who's um, didn't know that her 13-year-old son was trafficked off of Twitter until her niece called her and said, my cousin wants to commit suicide. Because that will get us into sexting and sextortion. So sexting is when you're sending and receiving nude selfies. And, and this is a thread between teens and young adults. This will expose you to bullying, to exploitation, and also legal ramifications, which will get to sextortion, and that's when, some, when someone is going to use that to threaten you, either for monetary purposes or to ask you to do more things. And in this situation, he exchanged nude selfies, which what he thought on the other side was a cute young girl his own age. It was a 45-year-old man, 45, 50, I forgot the name. And then that man asked him to meet in person, but he thought it was a cute young girl. And they met him, and then he forced him to have kids with, I mean, have sex with men. And when the young boy wanted to leave, he told him, see that video I made of all those selfies you sent me? They're going to go to everyone at your school, and your school if you leave. Of course, he didn't believe him, but it went to everyone in his school. And you know how peers can be very brutal to each other. And that's why he wanted to commit suicide. So parents will be, need to be very vigilant about their kids and young adults' views of computers. And they need to know which websites they're visiting. You know, 62% of parents do not monitor their kids' website uh, use after the age of 14, yet almost 72% of um, kids, uh, missing kids, uh, due to human trafficking are between the ages of 15 and 17. So, as parents, and um, one such crusader against human trafficking is the uh, San Diego County District Attorney. They did research to answer your question, Paul, and they found out that human trafficking was in all the high schools that they did the research on. Human trafficking was in all the high schools. So they teamed up with Three Trans Global Foundation, and uh, Summer Stefan, the DA, basically introduced human trafficking prevention program in all the public schools in San Diego because of that. Well, it's not just the poor schools, the desperate kids. It's kids with low self-esteem, no friends. They, they think nobody loves them, they're lost, they're, they're on the fringes, and these predators pick them up, recruit them, and then use them to uh, make money off of or to bring 
somebody owed somebody something. That was a commonality, right? So, so because you were whether you're or hungry no, or someone is greedy and they want to basically use another human being to get rich. Exactly. Or you know, use them or abuse them or exploit them. Ex- exploit them. Ex- I'll give you an example of one of the cases. As I mentioned, we're only in raising awareness of education prevention, but because. Our name, Global Hope 365, is, is getting out there within the community. We, a case was referred to us. It was labor trafficking, what we call domestic servitude. This woman was brought, and, and they are all, the perpetrator and the victim are from the, from the same country. So they brought her here to be a domestic servant at the daughter's house. And they told her they're going to pay her $2,500 a month. She comes in here, they take her cell phone, they take her passport, they don't pay her anything, and they say, um, if you want your passport back, you need to pay us $1,500 back, which is the price of the ticket. So needless to say, that case that came to us has been referred to the county uh, deputy DA in L.A. County, because it happened in L.A. In L.A. County, who is responsible for human trafficking, it's an open case. The other case, uh, it was a DHS agent uh, that was referred to us through uh, my friend and colleague, Marisol Barte, in San Diego. And it was a Turkish man who was trafficked uh, by a restaurant owner. And so we found him, a, basically, the last bed in a shelter that took him. And that's one of the success cases that he graduated now he's in, in his own apartment and he has his ITIN number and, and he can start working and uh, he wants to go into IT and, and acting because in his own country he was in a Coca-Cola commercial. And so, um, yes, so they're in all school. Let me give you one last example because I don't know what the time is. We're down to the last minute. Here. Okay. I was the, and make sure you show with everybody how they can reach you too. Right. So, I was a featured speaker at the International Association of um, Insurance Professionals. And after I finished, one of the officers came to me and she said, my niece was trafficked. And so, the mother was an attorney, the father was a physician. So, it happens to everyone, not just poor people. And she, the parents are here in L.A. And she was studying in Georgia. And they went back her with a classic scenario. You're so beautiful, we're going to make you a model. And then they get trained and put into sex trafficking. So it can happen to everyone. One example uh, that I was told about was a young girl whose friend at school said, you know, my dad and I will take you home. And she said, no, let me call my family. And she said, by the time you called them, we would have taken you home. The parents haven't seen her for six months because it wasn't the father of that friend who took them. No. And, and thankfully, the, the family had funds. So they hired a private investigator to find her, they found her after six months. So you can imagine the trauma that young girl went through as a victim of sex trafficking. And so you can find us at globalhope365.org, and we'd love for you to get involved because we have ambassador programs both for adults, PATH, which is Parents Against Human Trafficking, or young adults because uh, we train uh, young adults and teens, so they can start chapters for us in their schools, colleges, and campuses. We train them how to give the same presentation I do, so they can give the same presentation and have their discussion with their own peers, because they will take it much better than 